Um, hello, everyone. I have a very special guest on today. I have the lov lovely Meg from The Meg Method, and she's going to be talking to us today about cardiovascular training, um, which is a really, really fun topic to talk about because it's so broad. Um, but I wanted to get Meg on because she also specializes in breath work, which is a huge part of cardio fitness that is... it. Like it should be talked about more because it's what we do when we do cardio, but no one really talks about breathing. So we're going to talk about that topic as well. And we're going to go into a few sort of basic training guidelines around how to get started into cardio fitness and also injury prevention and myth busting and that kind of thing. So I'm really, really excited to have Meg on for this podcast. So Meg, introduce yourself. Who are you? What did you do? What did you do? What do you do? And um, how did you start getting into cardio? Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Firstly, I feel very grateful to be on your podcast and to connect with you and your audience today. So thank you for that. I'm really excited. And yeah, my name is Meg. I'm an online coach and I'm a found, I'm the founder <laughs> of the Meg Method. And essentially, I help people find connection through movement, meditation and breathwork. And I got into this because as a coach, I frequently see people approaching everyday life with either a lack of connection to themselves and or awareness of their, their uh, potential, let's say. So they essentially don't know how to bridge the gap between who they are and who they want to be. And I found that especially to be the case when using our bodies to move. So a lot of people do activities because they want to, they think it will provide them with a greater connection to others. But often we actually fail to consider if that exercise is best serving us as an individual. And if we're not doing things that serve us or bring us pleasure, then that's going to disconnect us from our body and there's going to be a lack of longevity to it so that's I, I believe if we can better connect to ourselves we can better connect to others so that's why I set up the Meg method which is a training approach that teaches people how to move better breathe more efficiently empower themselves and to approach life with a growth mindset and thanks to the internet I train people of all ages all over the world and I do that through one-to-one -one and group coaching programs so that's a little bit more about the Meg method and you're right at that disconnection can come a lot come up a lot when that comes to cardiovascular training yeah absolutely I, I love it you know not many people talk about how important connection is as in connection with yourself when it comes to health and fitness and you know the fact that you talk about that so much and bring you know you bring a lot of value to that as well I think through the internet um if you don't follow Meg or already I will obviously share her uh, Instagram in the show notes but it's just so great to see and it's so different so um thank you well done to you so tell us a little bit about your kind of backstory because obviously you this is what you do right you train mm -hmm. for cardiovascular events and mm -hmm. you work with a lot of clients that do so too so tell us a bit of a backstory about kind of how you got into doing these types of events marathons that kind of that kind of thing yeah I'd love to thank you so it's been a long journey for me I used to be someone that couldn't even run to the end of the road and like with anything, if you just put small, consistent practice in, you've got to start somewhere, start little and build that up over time. I am where I am now doing quite significant endurance events. And I got into endurance events in memory of my school friend, Rob, who sadly passed away when we were 21 from testicular cancer and his approach to life impacted me greatly and therefore so did his death so at the age of 21 you are of course aware of death and that us as humans are not invincible but I think to actually know someone that young pass away and so quickly that really was a huge reality check for me that life is finite mm. and along with 
deep feelings of grief and sadness for such a loss of such a special person I've also felt and understood immense gratitude and appreciation for health and life so I'm so grateful to Rob um, because that's exactly how he lived he we were never best friends but we went to school together and we lot in fact we lost touch when we went to university but he's such a powerful example of the impact you can have on someone's life and I talk giving me goosebumps woman (laughs) (laughs) I talk to people about this all the time the impact you can you have no idea the impact you can have on someone just smiling at a random stranger that might be the only smile they've received that day stopping to hold a door open for someone just being you have a choice to be positive. You have a choice to be kind. And that's something Rob had in abundance. You would never find him without a smile on his face. He was, he always made you feel like part of a joke and not the butt of a joke. And he just approached life with enthusiasm and kindness. So ever since I've ran in memory of Rob so that I can continue to carry his values with me And I run in deep appreciation of Rob and of Young Lives Versus Cancer, which is the incredible charity that supported him and his family. I run to spread awareness of cancer in the young and to better inform people of how to check themselves more regularly and what to actually check for. Again, being connected to your body, knowing what is normal for your body and what would be irregular and a sign of concern. Um, But just as important is I run in celebration and gratitude for my own health and what my body and mind does for me. So that's the how and why I got into endurance events, maybe a bit different um, than other people might have found that path, but it's all for nonprofits. And yeah, started small and it's gotten a bit out of hand, really. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. What a journey, though. And that's such a, you know, a wonderful thing to, you know, for you to just continue to run and do these events because of his impact on your life. It's such a you know positive beautiful message to to spread on and pass on and yeah amazing love Thank it you. it's and it, you know a lot of people come into fitness because they've got a you know an an external goal they want to lose weight etc whereas that didn't really happen for you I guess it, it kind of more came from the internal the the loss of someone's life really drove you to you know want to do something that meant something to you and to him as well so that's amazing yeah. um okay so Obviously, you've done quite a few events. So let's just talk about a couple of those so people can <laughs> know what uh, what kind of beast you are, what person we're kind of dealing with. Here. <laughs> what, what events have you done? I've done a few. <laughs> so I, th- I don't actually count them. In preparation for this podcast, I think you'd ask me. And I think we decided I've done 12 well, yeah. marathons so far, um, all very different. And it'll be 16 marathons by the end of the year. And so one of them including at the end of an Ironman event. Um, So I've trained clients to go on to do Ironman events. So they're both Ironmen, women, Iron people, however you'd like to see it. (laughs) And yeah, they've all been a bit crazy. Two of them have been part of a Guinness World Record. Wow. Um, But for me, again, all about the charities for me but a lot of my clients will come with different goals and it's like you said earlier some people might be starting their journey for fat loss they might be starting it with a time in mind and that's what's so beautiful about connection I think that's what it all comes back to right whatever goal we have there's something we it's it comes back to connection at the end of the day we want to either have a deeper appreciation and connection to ourselves or we want to do something in appreciation or to connect better with others essentially so our goals might look different they might be wrapped up differently but they're all the same at the root I believe yeah absolutely so that's a lot of marathons (laughs) just a few just a few Mm -hmm. um so let's kind of 
speak to the listeners now who are listening who are kind of mm-hmm. listening to this thinking right I've switched on this podcast because I want to start doing some cardio fitness training. I want to train my cardiovascular system. Maybe they've booked a race. Maybe they just feel like they've come to a point in their life where it's become important to them. Let's take running to begin with. Let's say we've got a client, you know, that has decided I want to do a 5K or a 10K. Well, like what would you suggest to do first where would your kind of first place where would your advice be you know where's the first place to go is it just put your trainers on and get outside or would you yeah tell us tell us more yeah with anything you start it's not going to be perfect right and I think a lot of people have this concept of waiting for motivation to come and that's you can't always rely on motivation a lot of it is literally putting one foot in front of the other right so like exactly like you say it's just getting started and start small I couldn't even get to the end of the road genuinely Um, a couple of years back I found it very difficult so I started out fast walking and then doing a bit of running and then walking again and then you just move the goalposts along so yeah if you're and that's one of the wonderful things about running it's so accessible I definitely appreciate it now I'm getting more into triathlons they're a lot of fun uh, but so much stuff (laughs) you need so much equipment and I definitely when I do triathlons I do begrudge the amount of stuff you have to have whereas running you can literally just put some trainers on and out the door you go. So it really is quite accessible, but certainly start small, Um, pick an activity you enjoy. If it's running, fantastic. It doesn't have to be running, find something for you and then slowly build up momentum, get practice in. If, if it's something running is completely new to you, then definitely start with the fast walking first. On a treadmill, you could put a little bit of a gradient. And um, that's important when on a treadmill, because it's if we're running outside, right, we're going to have different gradients of pavement, etc. Running flat on a treadmill doesn't necessarily mirror that. So having a little bit of a gradient is really helpful. And then, yeah, build up, keep that heart rate low. Running can be a really big stressor on the body. So it's really important to keep your heart rate low to avoid further stress on it, further inflammation, et cetera. And later on, we can go into a bit of the breathing side of that as well. Another key thing I say to people is strength training as well. I think when we look at endurance events, we look at cardiovascular exercise, we, of course, we want to be in proving our cardiovascular endurance and our capacity but we also want to be preventing injury and making us stronger as well. So having a really varied exercise plan is really helpful with that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm so glad you went into, you know, it can be quite intense when you, you know, a complete beginner going out for a run. It, it, it's exhausting. You know, I've been that runner as well that, you know, I've gone out and I'm like, right, I'm just going to run today. And then I get out and I'm like, no, I'm not going to smash a 5k, <laughs> you know, cause you just get into your head. And before you know it, you like, you're out of breath, you get home, you're starving, you're tired. And you're like, what have I just done? You know? And I think it's that go hard, go home message that we think we've got to do everything so fast, so quickly, so hard. Whereas actually, like you said, to kind of get fitter, you kind of have to take the slower approach, you know? Yeah. 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 Love it. And then let's say, for example, we've got a client who is already pretty good at running, can get out, do a 5K pretty easily or a 10K. And that person then wants to kind of progress and, and, you know, goes on to say, Meg, Angie, I've decided to book a marathon in which I go, okay, you need a different coach, (laughs) but I would pass them over to you. Where would you kind of take that client? How much training and what type of things have they got to think about before, you know, they've just booked that marathon? Do they need to drop strength training? Do they need to, you know, how would you periodize someone's kind of running program for a marathon? 
Yeah, it's a great question. So with periodization, we look at in cycles, right? And certainly at the beginning, I'd still want to keep strength training fairly high. It's really important um, for for various reasons as well. And one of the first things you can look at when you book a marathon is also what marathon you've booked, right? So many courses are different and there's going to be different factors that affect it. Heat and humidity, for example, can affect it. The cold can affect it. The uh, terrain that you're running on can affect it and how you're going to move. So we'd look at that um, to prepare. I try and look it in the long term as well so we can really plan it out. But at the start, I'd still keep strength training fairly high. We want to have that power behind our movements. And again, we talk about running as it can be a huge stressor on the body. So you want to have that stability and that support behind you there. So making sure we've got that improving our flexibility is important. As we obviously then get closer, we will maybe drop strength sessions to, again, depending on the person's lifestyle as well, it's really important to look at that. What is manageable for your lifestyle? How are you going to be able to sustain this training in the lead up to the event? So depending on the person's lifestyle, maybe one or two strength strength training sessions as we get further along. And then we'd be looking at um, basically breaking the training down when you're running, right? So we we might be looking at hill works, tempo runs, long runs and speed work. So we can really break down the different elements of running that you need because you also want power behind your movement right and again goals what is your goal are you wanting to get the best time are you just wanting to complete the race finish the race so we would look at all of that when going into the training yeah awesome yeah that's amazing and I think that's just so nice to hear somebody say I would carry on strength training because I've you know I've witnessed and I've been part of um, numerous gyms where I've met clients and they said you know they've come to our strength sessions and then they've decided to book a marathon so they leave and they drop strength training and I'm like no (laughs) you need to stay you know and so it's so lovely to hear that you still advise that as well so that's awesome one thing it was a bit of a random question I just thought Mm. of actually is because obviously we are in the winter now it's sort of darker in the morning and the evening how can somebody be safe when they're out running because obviously with things that have happened um in the news and that kind of thing how can somebody make sure they're safe when they're out running let's say first thing in the morning or the evening yeah it's it's a sad state of the world isn't it, it? Is. especially yeah. as women that we have to seriously think about these things every time that we go out um i mean where possible if you can run in daylight you'd hope that's a little bit safer but wearing protective clothing letting people know where you're going you can also use treadmills um, if you've got access to the gym or you've got access to one at home again when you're running on the treadmill just be aware that you it's not going to be a direct copy of pavement and different terrains so that's running at a slight gradient would be really important for that um, yeah, it, it's a difficult question to answer because, as I say, a lot of people, you would like to think you can go out and run safe. We're not um, responsible for other people's actions, but it's just taking the necessary steps of running at lighter times of the day where possible. If you are wearing, uh, if you are running when it's darker wearing protective clothing, letting people know where you've gone, sticking to well-populated routes. I certainly wouldn't be suggesting going off the beaten path, um, you know, down country roads and things like that. So yeah. just being sensible where you can really. Yeah, yeah, I um, thank you for that. And I kind of threw that at you then. Um, and just going back to, cause you mentioned kit actually. So I thought, what would your recommendations be for a beginner who you know is has just bought some trainers some average trainers and wants to start running but then's noticing maybe their their shoes don't fit and that kind of thing are there any suggestions that you give to your clients about running trainers and making sure that you've got the right pair for you 
To be honest, there's so many free resources at good running or sports shops now. That's where I'd advise. So go in. They offer a lot of free advice. If you go into a running shop, quite often they'll get you hopping on a treadmill or something so they can see your gait. They've got special machines where they can actually analyze your foot and find the right pair for you so that's something to be honest I think it's so accessible these days um yeah I'd go into your local running store they're usually super helpful super friendly and um, doesn't take long and you can usually book an appointment ahead and they can just have um, a look at your feet and find out what's the best shoe for you because that is important it goes a long way um, and you want to make sure that you're best supported wearing the right right shoes Awesome. Thank you. All right. So we've talked quite a lot about running. We'll probably come back to that in a second, but let's talk a little bit more now about cycling because obviously Mm. that's something that you do as well. Um, Let's again, just take somebody who's just bought a bike just for casual, you know, road cycling or, you know, darting to work and that kind of thing. And let's say they, you know, they've just started out, but they're a bit cautious and unsure of how far to go and how fast to go and I get this question a lot actually from clients where they're like oh now I've started cycling I can't you know I can't track my steps anymore but I'm still doing exercise like is it still the same so let's just talk about cycling in general because it is different to running Mm -hmm. and how do we kind of manage the you know physical stress of cycling as well because my god if you cycle up a hard hill it's hard work (laughs) Yes, I I mean, similar approach to running, right, in breaking down the training. So if you're training for a cycle event, you could be doing some speed work. And you can also be doing endurance work. So speed work, you'd be more looking at like interval training. And so that would be like short bursts of exercise. So that might be you might start a workout by doing five to 10 minute warm up, then you might do five bursts of two minutes as quickly as you can and then giving a one minute rest recovery in between and then five to ten minutes rest again so they're they're fairly similar in that point again I'd still want strength training into that especially on a bike you want a lot of power behind your legs right to really work on that and then as you get more into cycling you'll be more aware of like position on the bike where you're putting your shoulders etc but when you're just starting out and I think people forget like yes steps are important especially for coaches it's just a really good way for us to measure what you are doing outside of training usually and just making sure that you are getting that movement up but if you are doing more exercise that's going to be that's going to be the similar benefit right just as coaches steps is a really easy way for us to keep track yeah i think people worry about that a lot <laughs> like oh no my steps aren't as high but i'm doing a lot more work in the gym i don't know yeah. if you come across that a lot yeah yeah i definitely have yeah okay cool and just the kind of same question really if we just had somebody who was a confident cyclist who then mm-hmm. went you know wanted to go on to do um what are long distance cycle events like London to Paris? What else have you got? got? London to Paris, you've got Prudential. I have to say that, right, I have dyslexia and I always get my words wrong. <laughs> so for the longest time, it's I was calling place. it the Prudimental race, <laughs> which <laughs> has nothing to do with it. <laughs> my friends still laugh about, me, uh, about that to this day. So there's the Prudential cycle. That's a big one. That's like a hundred, that's a hundred mile cycle that used to be around London and Surrey, but the events now come back and I think it's an Essex cycle now. Um, London to Brighton's another great one that that's, that's a really nice event. Actually, I found London to Brighton's a little bit more casual and it's a a lot less populated in terms of bikes because Uh, with these endurance events as well one part of it is training right being physically ready for it another element is being mentally prepared for it Mm -hmm. and another part especially as you get into these further like longer endurance events bigger events is the technical side of it as well like really knowing your bike 
knowing road safety because when you're in these very populated events with a lot of people on bicycles mm. getting tired you really need to, that's not to scare people but you just <laughs> you need to be confident on your bike you need to know that you deserve to be there too and just be aware again back to connection being aware of yourself but being aware of the people around you as well so there's some fantastic events in the UK um if you look up even just a little Google, you you can find a lot of local cycling events as well. There's a lot of cycle clubs now. That's a really great way if you're trying to get into cycling again. And also it can be quite lonely on the bike on your own. It's really great to look at what local clubs are around. There's a lot of great cycling groups. They often stop for some coffee and a little bit of cake <laughs> as well. And that's just a really nice way to, to get started really yeah ace ace and that's the same for running right we've got park run and there's absolutely yeah groups I think getting involved in a group is really helpful because it is it can be a lonely process you know especially you know you're out on a bike for hours on your own or you're out for a run for hours on your own it can be quite a lonely place so let's kind of talk about let's go into breath work and talk about the the mental side of of you know, training for these types of events or just training for fitness in general. How do you go about kind of looking after your own mental health, but clients' mental health to make sure that they are mentally fit enough to be able to cope with the, you know, not loneliness, but the the grit and also the determination to be able to push through these events? How do you approach that? Yeah, it's 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 a process. So a lot of my clients, we work on both meditation and breath work anyway. Like my approach to training is we kind of look at the whole package because if you're going to look at the body, you need to look at the mind and vice versa. Um, breath work is such a powerful one. It's really, really interesting, not only because of its physical effects on the body, but also the mental effects as well. So if we, to answer your question, if we look at like, the mental side of that is we have our autonomic nervous system the ans in our body and that's made of two branches so we have this sympathetic nervous system that controls our stress response so that's our flight or fight that's when we're stressed mm. and then we have the pns and that's our rest and digest now our body finds it very easy to be over in that fight or flight <laughs> response believe it or not so what we want to do by nasal breathing which is the area of breathing that i come from it allows us to take when we breathe in we first of all nitric oxide pulls in our nasal cavity that then goes down into our lungs it helps open them up but what we want to do is we want to improve our we want to get more carbon dioxide in to better release oxygen around the body now when we have our vagus nerve so our vagus nerves runs through from our brain to our abdomen which funny that isn't it when we get a gut feeling oh yeah yeah love it right so they will run together what we want to do is when we can slow down our breath, when we can switch on that parasympathetic nervous system, that's joined with our vagus nerve. And that allows us to push into that rest and digest response. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people look at carbon dioxide and they see it as like a waste gas right so a lot of times we're told get as much oxygen as you can and get rid of as much carbon dioxide as you can but people don't realize that when oxygen passes from the lungs into the blood it's carried by hemoglobin so that's the protein found within the red blood cells that helps o2 be carried in the blood but it's carbon dioxide that's the catalyst for those red blood cells to release oxygen so actually on a physical standpoint, nasal breathing over a period of time is going to improve your CO2 levels in the blood. So that's going to improve the parcel pressure and that's going to be a better catalyst for oxygen. But also on the mental side of things, as I say, if you can be slowing down your breath and a lot of people think a deep breath is a big breath. Mm. It's not. 
<laughs> because be, big, a, a big breath, you're actually just kind of wasting your breath, wasting energy. It's a deep breath, sending that carbon dioxide, that nitroxide right into your lungs. That allows us to switch on our vagus nerve, better activate it. And that as a consequence then helps us switch into that parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. So that's from a breath work point of view. From a like a mindfulness point of view, a meditation point of view, I've personally found running and things like swimming to be actually very meditative activities, right? Mm -hmm. And I've got that feedback a lot that when people are suddenly going on these long runs, it can be very much me, myself and I. Yeah. And you find yourself with your thoughts. I found the lockdown a very interesting experience. We've just gone through this pandemic. And I think for a lot of people, that was actually a very meditative experience, right? Because all of the sudden, these distractions that we have, these activities that we usually do to keep us busy, so we're not left with our own thoughts, they weren't as easily accessible, right? Yeah. So think for a lot of people it's a very meditative time and I find running and endurance events can be like that because you've not got access to your normal distractions you've got to focus on the task at hand and I think they're a good activity what I think you don't want to be scared of your thoughts you just want to be aware of them mm. and so yeah that's just something with my clients we we just start over time becoming aware of our thoughts and who is thinking of these thoughts and when you can be aware of your thoughts you're also aware that they come and go yeah. right and they come from sensations quite often we'll feel something in our body that might be like butterflies right or which butterflies that could be excitement or fear they're two sides of the same coin Mm. and we learn to actually sit at that and be aware of that where did this and be curious right again back to connection being curious of where did this feeling come from who's thinking it is it true and over time we just learn to have more self-awareness and again that along with breathing is very very powerful if you can get your body physically into a state of calm and rest. And at the same time, if you can be aware of your mindset and how to control that and create balance, that's going to really, really help you in these events. And I think the biggest thing that people forget in when taking on a, an event, whether that be a 5k or a marathon is enjoy it. Mm, yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you are there at the start line of your event, you're there, you are doing the thing that you wanted to do. So many people come to me and say, I want to run a marathon, right? Fantastic. Yeah. And we train really hard to get there. But then when you're there, all you're concentrating on is the finish line. Yeah. Like you're doing the thing you wanted to do. So enjoy it. Be in the moment. I, it still blows my mind that we pay all this money to do these incredible events. We fly all over the world to do them. And the winner is the person who finishes the experience the quickest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. That is so true. Yeah. <laughs> Which, there's nothing wrong with that. And again, a, a, a celebration and appreciation of your body, right, can be challenging it to see what it can do. I, I appreciate that. And I, I can train people for <laughs> personal bests and getting the quickest time. But I think a lot of the time we forget to actually enjoy the activities we're doing and the experience yeah. for what it is. They need to have at the end, like the finish line, like, but who had the best experience? Who had the <laughs> best time ever? How can we like prove that, you know? Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. Um, I must admit, actually, it was a couple of years ago now. Um, there's a, a 10K race that always happens local to me. And I've done it before and I did it on my own. And then the other year, some of my clients were like, well, I might do was to 10K because they'd seen I'd done it. And I was like, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it together. And I knew what to expect on this race. Mm -hmm. And I knew where the hard bits were and stuff. And I did it for my clients. Clients listening, I love you all. But I absolutely hated every minute of it. And I told them all after because 
I was there for them. I was, you know, I was raring to go. But also from the get go, I had told myself, this is going to be hard. You hate this race. And it was the worst experience ever. And I just wanted to stop the whole way through. <laughs> I was okay. like, you keep going. It's fine. <laughs> Pass me. It's carry on. And, you know, some of my clients had the best day ever. The pictures of them doing it is incredible. I had the worst day ever. I was very, very pleased to go and get my pancakes after. But it makes me sad now because I think, why didn't I just slow down and enjoy it? Why didn't I let my ego go? You know, mm, which can be really hard to do. Right. 100%. And that's a- Again, that's something we work on in our training. And everyone I start with, we look at what are your values? Like, what is your biggest values in life? That sounds like a lot, right? Because you're like, I'm just training. (laughs) I just came here for fitness. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But if you can know your values in life, like what is important to you, that's really important to see what you're actually, like your other goals, are they in line with that? And if they're in line with that, you're going to get more enjoyment mm-hmm. yeah. from these activities. Um, and I love that you did that with your clients because running triathlons, like there's such amazing communities that can come from doing things in teams and that support. And something else you said, like knowing, knowing if, if you are doing it for time, knowing the course, knowing the event can be really helpful as well but definitely mindset going into it like you say it can almost be a bit of a placebo effect right if you think it's going to be a terrible race it's probably not going to be great yeah that's exactly what I did um okay what I some of the stuff you mentioned about the breathing stuff I thought would be really cool to talk about for a beginner and for anyone really going out we'll we'll talk about running mostly Mm. but For anybody just going out for a run, right, there's a difference. You go out for a run and people always say, oh, after the first two miles, it clicks for me. Or after the first 5K, it clicks for me, similar distance. And I find that, you know, if I go out for a run, you know, after about 10, 20 minutes, maybe I can be really into it and I can be like, I could do this forever. What's the switch there? Is it that you you know, have you got into some, you know, got out your fight or flight and then gone into more of a relaxed state? Is it because of your breathing? What do you think kind of happens when you get that moment? I think a lot of it is, it's practice over time definitely helps, right? Because if you are running regularly, you're going to be improving your cardiovascular fitness, right? So that's going to be helpful for you for a start. You're going to get more used to it. Also, if you're more practiced and more used to something, it's going to be less stressful for you, right? Because if you're worried about something, or if you're ever stressed, what's the first thing that gets affected? Your breath. Your breath, yeah. right? So you panic more. When we panic more, our breathing goes. So something I actually, a lot of the breath where I do starts outside of exercise, And also if you are, most of us start as mouth breathers. Mm -hmm. So going into nasal breathing can actually be quite difficult at the start. Nasal breathing is more efficient where it allows us to breathe more deeply, but we're actually breathing through a smaller space. So there is going to be more resistance to nasal breathing than mouth breathing. So at the start, that's quite difficult to get used to. So, and a lot of the time then to be trying and working on your nasal breathing in the middle of a run, you're just going to stress yourself out more. And actually, even with athletes, you're, you want to start off like looking at functional breathing in your everyday, because again, it, that comes back to when we look at energy balance, right? We get so caught up in the hour of exercise that we do in the day that we don't pay as much attention to everything we're doing outside that Mm. so with my clients we look at breath work mainly at the start outside of exercise so if you're just starting breath work the biggest thing at the start is awareness same with meditation actually just finding that again we're back to connection right starting to have be more connected to yourself, being more self-aware. So that might be when you're just going out for a casual walk at the weekend, just checking in and being like, what is my breath doing mm. right now? And it's it's amazing, really. If you think we can survive 
what around a week without food a couple of days without water you wouldn't even survive a couple of minutes without your breath it's that important yet we rely so heavily on it to live but pay so little attention so if you can start just being aware of note a lot of people don't even aren't even noticing that they're a mouth breather or a nasal breather so quite often at the start, I just say to people, start being aware of your breath, either sat down or when you're walking and just notice, oh, do I breathe in my chest? Do I breathe with my belly? Then if you can close your mouth and start breathing in and out of your nose, be curious about yourself. People find out they actually might only breathe through one nostril. It could be the left one, it could be the right, they might breathe through both. And then start to see how you can be in control of your breath. So that ideally we want our breath to be slow, we want it to be light, and we want it to be deep. So start playing around with that. What you might find when we have an increase of carbon dioxide, we'll have this feeling of slight air hunger. That's a feeling that we want to take a bigger breath. That's okay. That shows us that carbon dioxide, we're getting a bigger intake. And again, over time, just being able to practice that, you're going to be more aware. You're going to then get better at it and become more efficient. But it just starts first off by noticing and then doing little small improvements and then later on you can move that into exercise yeah absolutely I love that um and it's funny you say that about are you a nasal breather or a mouth breather because me and Brad my partner have this conversation well when we first met each other you know I'd wake up in the morning and he'd be there with his mouth wide open and uh, he really struggles it's something to do with his you know how he is formed as a person he really struggles to breathe through his nose mm. and um it's funny because I sleep really deeply and I always breathe through my nose and I know this because if I have a sore throat or sorry if I have a blocked up nose I get a really bad sore throat if I haven't been able to breathe through my nose at night and it happened the other week so I was a bit poorly um but one thing I found is because I've I've done this like I've gone out for um, a run and just nasal breathe the whole way through and, and oh my god it's insanely hard and you have to like, the great thing about it and I'm sure this is what you teach your clients is the great thing about it is you have the only way to control it is slow down like yeah. you cannot do any you can't fight it you slow down and that's and that's one of the things that I will say to my clients that want to go running I'm like go for a run and don't put on a podcast don't put music in your ears listen to your breath can you talk to you know I've talked to myself in the run I'm sure you have as well mm -hmm. can you talk to yourself can you just breathe through your nose throughout and sometimes what I'll do and I don't know if this is right or not but I'll run for a bit and then I'll check in with myself and I'll, I'll be like am I running at the pace which I can nasal breathe and then I'll take the stress off it for a little bit you know just carry on and then I'll check in with myself again yeah, and it's really important. And that's that comes with the ego side of things as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you've got to be able to let your ego go to be able to improve the conditions you're in, right? We can all push ourselves. And an example, of, like, yeah, with the, if you're mouth breathing quite often, you can dry out your mouth. So a lot of people that mouth breathe due the night, during the night can wake up with a really dry throat. That's why if you don't find that necessarily as much because you're a nasal breather and again with race we were talking about what can affect your race earlier the cold can do that a lot of people that mouth breathe when they're out running they say like when it's cold they almost feel this like burning sensation in our throat mm. that's because actually when we nasal breathe that warms up the air you're interesting when we're breathing for our nose so you'll have less of effect than when it goes into your mouth so being having that awareness and slowing down trusting that sometimes slowing down is going to improve the process in the long run is really really important and yeah breath work meditation is beautiful ways to help achieve that of learning to trust yourself that actually when you slow down you're able to be more aware, do things more efficiently, and that's actually going to help you be more efficient 
be more productive, whether that be in your training, in your work. It's a really important point. Mm, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And have you noticed personally that your, you know, fitness levels have increased since including this breath work in your own training? Massively. Yeah. So I'm training for an Ironman at the moment. So when I'm doing my training, because the volume's going to start increasing, um, to be able to get away with doing a lot of it volume with and basically we're trying to get the volume up, the stress levels down. In order to do that, I really need to keep my heart rate down, mm. which causes little stress on the body as possible. So I'm quite often training with a heart rate monitor and something I've just been, again, trying to increase my own awareness as I'm doing these exercises. I'm just trying to tap in every now and then and be like, what's my breathing like? And being aware. And then when I start really trying to use my nose to breathe and slowing it down it is crazy how quickly I can get my heart rate to drop wow that's awesome and it's so much more efficient so but it takes time yeah I wouldn't recommend anyone going straight into a run and trying to nasal breathe the whole time and with actually a lot of athletes that wouldn't be effective but if you can learn to switch it on and especially outside of training you can be really working on your nasal breathing and pushing the improvements there that's that's going to help you breathe more efficiently and that's then going to feed into your training when you do it Mm. right so yeah definitely saw some cool awesome that's really great to hear okay let's move on to some more of like the basic stuff let's talk about myths about cardio because I think this is a great topic to cover because I know plenty of my clients have sort of asked me this before so I'm going to ask you the question that I get on every group program on with every one-to-one client what is the best cardio for fat loss (laughs) For me personally, I'd say the one you enjoy doing the most and that suits your body the most. Because at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy it, you're going to begrudge it and you're not going to want to keep doing it. And fat loss is a journey, right? So it sounds really, really simple, but I think that's such a key component. I don't know about you. Yeah, and I whenever anybody asks me this question I also try to encourage them to not look at exercise for fat loss as well Mm -hmm. because you know it shouldn't be a way yes you need to do some form of exercise to lose weight you know to create an energy deficit but it doesn't mean that you need to almost punish yourself to lose weight and that's where you know people can get mixed up there was a question actually asked on my most recent uh, group program that was like I've started to do cardio what should I do you know how what's going to burn the most calories and I was like you shouldn't be caring about that you know we're not doing exercise for that I know I know her intention wasn't you know I'm going to punish myself her intention was how can I optimize my you know fat loss but I think sometimes actually moving away from that teaches you how to actually create a lovely energy deficit that you're going to really enjoy and that's the way we are going to lose fat and keep slimmer and you know keep that fat off as such um okay cool what about hits so hit training what are your thoughts on cardio hit training where should it be placed who should be doing it who shouldn't what are your thoughts on that just your opinions and thoughts so hit high intensity interval training definitely has its places so again like we said if we are doing an endurance event having things like intervals can be really helpful to help you push your threshold help you improve your training but you've got to be sensible about it for example yeah a lot of people see as hit is like the most bang for your buck right (laughs) I can do a short amount of exercise, but get loads out of it. However, if you're doing HIIT training, you're pushing yourself to the max and then you can't train for a week, is that the most effective exercise for you? Arguably not. So definitely has its places. Um, It can definitely, like we say, help improve your um, cardiovascular rate. 
it can be fun. It can keep you, some people need that. They have, you know, a short uh, attention pan that span. They need to be entertained. That's fine. Just make sure that you're having a sensible approach about it. If that's all you're doing, again, like with anything, if you, if things are good in balance, right? If you're only doing hit, that just aware that's going to be a big stressor in your body. Doing things quick, a lot of things quickly in a short amount of time is a stress. So be aware of that. You need to be really aware of your recovery. Mm, yeah from that as well yeah. and yeah it goes back to what is your intention for doing it what do you want to get out of it mm -hmm. so if if that means your body is going to be in a high state of stress and that's going to affect your exercise for the rest of the week for example you're not going if you want to get stronger and you're not training as heavy or your feet your muscles are feeling really sore then you know maybe that's not the best you would be my answer to that yeah absolutely I completely agree and I guess the final myth we could look at is fasted cardio how effective is fasted cardio and would you place it in anyone's program do you think again for me it comes back to the person and their preference it's not you're not gaining anything from fasted cardio it's no <laughs> better than unfasted it's your personal preference and again depends on what activity you're doing as well I'm someone who likes to train quite early in the morning I often do that unfasted just because I feel better personally training without a full stomach However, if I'm doing Ironman training and I'm going to be training on the bike for long periods of time or running, I absolutely can't do that. I need to be fueling my body so it has the energy to do it. But there's no right or wrong. It's a preference to you and also very much heavily depends on the exercise you want to be doing. And we need to remember that food is fuel. We're fueling our body. Food is energy, right? make sure you have enough energy to do the activity you want to do and to get out of it what you want to get out of it essentially yeah, yeah absolutely and an interesting thing for me actually is I spent quite a few years being obsessed with fat loss and in an energy deficit for too long a time and you know, if I fancied going for a run, I'd always do it fasted because I was in the habit and routine of not eating breakfast till like 10, 11 o'clock, let's say. And it wasn't until I started to kind of let go of calorie tracking and move away from that, that I started to actually explore how I felt with a breakfast before going for a run and then, you know, without. And what I found is when I was going for a run without having anything first thing in the morning, I was coming back and it had a massive effect on my hunger and my recovery throughout the day. I felt knackered. Obviously, it depend on, depended on how you know, much I pushed myself, but my recovery was really poor. So I started just having literally a slice of toast with some honey and some butter about 20 minutes before I went out. I came back and I just didn't have the same feeling. And it was just like a massive, like light, like light switch went off in my head. And I was like, oh, I can eat something before I run. You know, and I think sometimes we tell ourselves, oh, I don't, you know, I don't eat before I train. But do you, do you, or is it something, you know, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy that you've just told yourself and you've talked yourself into? Um, so that was really interesting for me, actually. Absolutely. And I know I keep saying it, but that comes back again, doesn't it? To connection of actually being aware of like, right, I'm going to actually slow down and pay attention. I've done it this way and know how I feel. Let's actually try it unfasted. Let's try it fueled. Like, oh my goodness, for me, I feel so much better. I'm performing better. Mm -hmm. It's knowing yourself and trusting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. I'm just gonna sorry, quickly grab my charger. One yes, second. of course. <laughs> just see it suddenly dropped in the red, and I was like, oh no. That's fine, don't worry. I was on a podcast the other day with um, Jake, who sort of works with me, and my computer just decided to shut down. So he had to Wonderful. finish the podcast on his own. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Wonderful. 
Um, well, we're coming to the end of the podcast anyway now, but I guess my kind of last question to you would be, do you have any final tips or recommendations for people who want to, you know, improve their cardio fitness and who are now kind of interested, interested in learning more about breathing and how that can really empower us? Do you have any final tips or recommendations or resources that people can go to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first things first is, like I say, s- slow down. It sounds, I, it sounds silly, but actually take a moment to take a breath before we go into things and think, what do I want to get out of this? You know, what is my main goals? And let that lead the activities you want to go into. Because if you really know why you're doing something, you're going to better understand what you're doing, first of all. And you're going to get more enjoyment from it. And if we enjoy things, we tend to want to do more of those things. Mm-hmm. And it it just makes the journey easier, right? I think people see fitness often as something that they have to do. Like I should be doing it. And it's something I always try and look of like, I, I'm so lucky I can do this. I could be doing this. It's a choice. And if you approach things with enjoyment, it's so much easier, the whole process, right? So that's something I'd say, don't be afraid to slow down, enjoy the process and start to be curious about yourself, get to know yourself, right? We are with ourselves at all times. (laughs) If you are a human, you're alive, you are with yourself forever. Now, when that clicked with me, that was quite a scary prospect. (laughs) But it's such an important one. We so often are looking outside of ourselves. What's this person doing? What's that person doing? And we so often actually forget to check in with ourselves. who do I want to be what do I want to do why do I want to do it so and instead of seeing that as a scary thought be excited about it be curious so start being curious about yourself and your body whether that's taking a moment to even if you're if you know you sit down three times a day to eat before you eat maybe stop take a moment and just check in with yourself how am I feeling what's my breath doing right now being aware of the breath when you go into exercise actually like great got my training plan in front of me off my go off I go like what muscles do I want to switch on right now what's the Angie's set me 10 push-ups to do what muscles do I actually want to use in this push-up can I feel these muscles mm. when I'm doing it I think it's hugely unrelated uh, un- what's the word um unappreciated sometimes the power of that yeah. and yes start small but no small consistent steps are actually gonna turn into really big steps <laughs> big goals and you'll actually find you'll get there a lot quicker if you can do a small sensible approach so hopefully that makes sense yeah 100% love that advice and that's really like those are three nice take-homes I think for sure um okay fab so listeners where can they come and find you and how can they follow you and find out more about you yes thank you for being curious (laughs) And yeah, you'd asked for resources before. So um, my Instagram is at the Meg Method. And I've got lots. I did 32 days of breath work on there. So if you are interested in exploring um, the breath, that's a really good place to start because I really do start from the beginning and work the way up. And it's a nice way to get consistent practice and I share a little few thoughts of life and connection and also you can find out more about me from my website which is www.themegmethod.com and yeah thank you so much for having me and just connecting with me and allowing me to connect with your audience and your clients you speak so highly of them they sound absolutely wonderful oh thank you yeah it's been wonderful having you on and thank you for just giving us such like an 
eye-opening chat about you know what you do and how you can improve your uh, cardiovascular health and uh, through breathing and connection as well so it's been wonderful a final thing is you have your own podcast don't you so do you want oh, yes. to achieve your <laughs> to that I should have mentioned that yes yeah. so um I actually it'll soon be two very Ooh. greedy of me I know so um I have a podcast called my kind of people firstly that's where I talk to leaders and community members around the world about positive change and you can find uh, clips of that on Instagram at my kind of people podcast and you can download my kind of people through all the major podcast platforms and very very soon there will be the Meg Method podcast so I'm really excited about that and basically through that podcast we're looking at what does it mean to have a good foundation of health and what is involved with that and I'm really excited so that'll be amazing me too I love your other podcasts as well if anybody who wants to just listen to something very inspiring and very different definitely go and check out the podcast that she mentioned what was it called again my kind of people I remember my kind of people that's it yeah it's awesome so thank you so much Meg for coming on you honestly have been a pleasure it's been a pleasure listening to you and learning from you so thank you so much and uh, have a great day so welcome you too thank you bye